Welcome to the Grace Harbor Church Sermon Podcast. Grace Harbor Church is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, visit our website at ghokc.com. Okay, today we'll be again in Matthew 6. We're going to start in verse 9. If you have your Bibles, those black Bibles, it's page 811. Matthew 6, verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Just a very simple prayer. Father, we ask that you would bless this reading of your word um, and help us to hear and to understand this morning. Um, Amen. All right. Have a seat. Thank you for uh, standing and um, just looking forward to to our time together this morning as we we close out our, our, our time and studying through the Lord's prayer. And so we're in verse 13 today. Um, and that's our primary uh, focus and goal to, to understand um, and teach today is verse 13 that says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so Jesus has modeled for us, um, I would say successfully, <laughs> would you say that Jesus is successful in his model to us in prayer? Jesus has successfully modeled for us what a humble, faith-filled prayer looks like. Um, and he's, he's done this up against the backdrop of uh, really the negative example of the religious leaders and the Gentiles who pray both pridefully and faithlessly. Um, and so we have confidence straight from the lips of Jesus and throughout really the entirety of the scriptures, family, don't miss this, that when we pray, God hears us. God, Jesus has given us that foundation in this prayer in verse, what is it? Verse eight, that when we pray, our father knows what we need before we ask him. Therefore, we pray humbly before our father, but we also pray with with being filled with faith that we have a God who hears us. Um, The religious leaders pray in an arrogant way to be seen The Gentiles pray in a way that lacks faith, just in repeating themselves over and over again with empty phrases because they don't believe that they have a Father in heaven who hears us. And really, just a good example of that, and I've I've given this example the last two weeks, I really want to give it again because I really think it's important. I think it's powerful, and it's and, and, and mainly because it's actually something that comes from something that I'm witnessing personally as, as we build relationships with, with Muslims here in Oklahoma City, um, that they are, very, uh, they are very faithful to pray. Uh, but one of the things that they lack in their prayers is faith that they have a father who actually hears what they say. Uh, they pray repetitiously. They pray with empty phrases because they have not been convinced that they have a father in heaven who hears. They only view God as some angry person who demands that they pray to them. And if they don't, their good deeds will not outweigh their bad deeds. And so I think it's right for us to now even pray again, as often as we can, 
to pray for, for them to come to know God as Father. Can we do that? Let's pray. Father, um, even as you have, have shown us through uh, the model prayer of your son, Jesus, um, that we are to pray um, humbly. We are to come before you in a, in a humble manner, Lord, not on our own merit, but because of what Christ has done for us, um, that we humbly come before you um, as children, um, but we also humbly come before you as our Father. Um, Lord, there are many in this world today that don't know you. Um, they, 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 they really don't, many don't even think that you exist, but, but Lord, I, I, I feel that, that really a, a pr- prominent issue in our world is that um, we have this, this, this sense within us that, that we need to pray, that there's something that we, that we, that we need to do. There's, there's this place within us that, that, that you have placed there that really just echoes eternity within us, that we know that there's something that, that hasn't been fulfilled. And, and so, Lord, I pray even now for those who are uh, attempting to, to fill that, that eternity-shaped hole, that eternity spot in their, in their souls that you have created within them, that as they pray to an unknown God so many times, that, Lord, you would draw them and that they would experience and come to know you as their father. Um, and, and, Lord, we know that you have called us as your people um, to, to be the one who would proclaim that good news. Um, and so, Lord, would you just, would you just this morning give us a, give us a, a discomfort, maybe even in, in, our, in, in many of our just propensity to, to kind of sit on the sidelines? Lord, would you... Um, would you really just kind of afflict us some in, in that way and, and, and call us and, and make clear to us and convict us of, of, our, of our role in sharing this good news with those around us? Lord, several come to my mind this morning who don't know you, um, and I pray for those who come to the minds of, of those in this room, Lord, that you would uh, draw those people, that you would use those in this room to proclaim the good news to them. And... Um, so that we and, and those around us may pray humbly and in faith, and, and faith to you because you are a God who hears us. And we pray these things in your name, amen. And so we have this confidence straight from Christ um, and throughout the entirety of scriptures that when we pray, God hears us. That's kind of what we've, we need to establish. And so we come to the final line of the Lord's Prayer here in verse 13. And here we are shown by Christ that it is not right only for us to pray to be forgiven of past sins um, and, and, and been forgiven of acted upon sins, but also to pray for protection from future sin. So we've, we've prayed for God to forgive us of sins we've committed. And in this, what Jesus models for us is that it's right for us to pray that God would protect and preserve us from future sin through what he says here and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so we are reminded here in how Jesus models prayer for protection from future sin that we are wholly dependent upon God. Y'all, let us, let's remember that every day of our lives, um, that as often and as independent as, as the culture wants us to believe that we are from those around us and ultimately from, a per, from, from God, 
that we are wholly and utterly dependent upon him. Hey, it doesn't matter if you're praying for your daily needs or, or what have you. The, the very strength that you have to work for what you have today is given to you by God. And so we are wholly dependent upon God and it should humble us. And so Jesus models for us that, that, that in, in asking for protection from future sin, that, hey, the whole of our lives is dependent upon God, and that if we are to avoid the snares of the devil, that we must draw near and walk in fellowship with our Father in heaven. That if we have any hope of, falling, of, of not falling into grave sin, that we must ask God to help us. And so we pray, God, we not only need your forgiveness in response to sin, but we also need your strength in the ability to keep us from sin. And so this is a real simple message today. Um, there's, there's not really anything uh, profound from me that I have to say about it, but it is important. And it is one of those things that we might not be doing in the way that we are taught by Christ. Um, I know that that is something that I've realized through studying this, that I very often pray for God to forgive me because I'm a really good sinner. I often ask for God to forgive, but I often don't ask for God to help me to avoid sin. And so we have to ask ourselves, have I prayed for God to deliver me from evil, from the places where I so often find myself in rebellion against him? And so we're going to ask those questions um, and, and, dis, and, and, and kind of discuss those. And so I think that this is a big deal and part of the prayer that we familiarize ourselves with because how I believe it relates to our personal holiness and our walking in fellowship with the Father. Remember last week, we talked about walking in fellowship with God, that we, even as Christians, we, we often ask, if I'm a Christian, if I've been forgiven of all past, present, and future sins, why ask God for forgiveness? And it would be because Jesus tells us to and because the, the, the example of, um, of the writers of the New Testament also give us that. In 1 John, John is speaking about fellowship with the Father and that our fellowship with God, not our salvation, but our fellowship with God oftentimes depends upon are we willing to own up to our sin? Not our salvation. Your salvation is, is, is accomplished by Christ and not by you in any way. You contribute nothing to that. Some way that some people say it, the only thing you contribute to your salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. That's all that we contribute to our salvation. And so John tells us in 1 John that there is a way that we walk in fellowship with God through the confession of our sins and forgiveness. And so this today, what Jesus tells us is that, is that um, a way to walk in personal holiness and in fellowship with God is by asking God to deliver us from evil and to lead us not into temptation. And so let's ask this question. What is it that we're praying? What, is this, what does this mean? What is um, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil? Well, the scriptures give us three sources of sin in our lives. And I don't want you to be confused, brothers and sisters. I want you to be confused by this because um, it may seem confusing on the surface, but the scriptures give us really helpful and clear explanation of what, what three sources of sin and temptation are. And the first one is Satan. Satan is the source of temptation and sin in your life. In, in, in uh, Matthew chapter four, verse one, what does it say as Jesus is being led into the desert? So Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by who? Not a by God, no. We're discipling that out of you, Asher, not God. <laughs> Just kidding. But thanks for your honesty and your cooperation, Asher. He is being led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
So this, that's the first, the first source of sin and temptation. Secondly, we see that, that the demons of Satan, Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. You don't have to go there, but I'll read. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And then finally, this one gets a little bit more personal. James chapter one says this. This is another source of sin and temptation in our lives. James 1.14 says, um, let's read 12 through 15. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so God is not the one who tempts. The scriptures tell us God is not the one who tempts us, but we are tempted by our own flesh. And this is a prayer asking God to deliver us from spaces where I may be tempted and sin against him. And so God throughout the scriptures is known as the deliverer. Jesus is calling upon God our Father in Matthew chapter 6 as something that God is known by. In fact, something that God introduces himself as, as deliverer. Go with me to Exodus chapter 6. I do want you to turn with me there. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. And so throughout the scriptures, God is known as deliverer. In fact, I think it may be one of the most important aspects of his character in his activity in the world and in the lives of his people. And so let's read Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Verse 7, I will take you I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And so we know throughout scriptures that the the people of God in being enslaved to Egypt and being delivered from Egypt is a is a real moment in history. We believe in the historical event of the enslavement of the people of God in Egypt. But we're told throughout the rest of the scripture that that is a, 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 a picture of a much larger story that's going on. That just as Moses came in to deliver the people of God, Christ has come in. He's the better Moses who has come in to deliver us from the enslavement of our sin. And so just like the people of God were physically enslaved to Egypt, so we are spiritually enslaved to sin. And Jesus, the better deliverer, comes in and delivers us from our sin. And so if we are to be kept and if we are to be delivered from sin, it will be because, listen to this, we have a God who delivers us. And so we are calling upon God here in this prayer. Jesus is calling us, modeling for us to call upon God to do what God desires to do and to be who he has revealed himself to be. God, would you deliver us because you are the deliverer? 
And, and if we think that God is only delivering us from suffering and physical things in this life, man, we've got plenty of people who can tell their, tell their story to you. Has God delivered you from all suffering? No, he hasn't. But will God deliver you from temptation? If we, Jesus is saying, if we ask him, he will. I believe that. And so the next question that we ask is, why should we pray this? Why should we pray this? Why does Jesus model this? Well, let's, let's state something, hopefully, that's obvious to us as the people of God um, and true of us if we are believers is, is this, that if, if you're a believer, I, I wanna, I wanna, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna, just like I'm gonna ask you a question, I'm gonna ask, ask you to raise your hand, so I'm preparing you, okay? Um, if you're a believer and you desire to be in fellowship with God, you want to avoid sin. If that's right, if that's true of you, say, that's me. If you're a believer and you're a follower of God, you wanna avoid sin. Hey, if you don't wanna avoid sin, if you didn't raise your hand, then you're going to hell. I'm just kidding, you're not going to hell. I'm just kidding. But it is true of Christians, of those who are following Christ, that if you are following Christ, that avoiding sin is something that you want to do. Now, I'm not saying that we do that perfectly, am I? No. No, I'm not saying that at all. In fact, one of the primary evidences of the spirit within us is not that we never sin, right? Praise God. But that we desire not to sin. That we desire not to sin. Hey, we are not, Christians are not a a perfect people. We are repentant people, right? We are an honest people. We are repentant people. It's not that we never sin, but that we desire not to sin. But there's this other thing that is also true, even though that we are children of God and even though we, we desire to remain in fellowship with God, and it's this, you and I don't have the power in our own flesh to avoid that sin. We don't. In our, in our flesh, in, our, in, this, in, this, in, in this time that we, that we still have this flesh on us, even though that we are indwelt by the Spirit in our own flesh, what Jesus is saying here is that without prayer, and without a reliance upon God, that even though you may be a child of God in your own power, you cannot avoid sin. Jesus is saying the, the, the way to avoid sin is to pray to God to ask, you to, as, is to ask him to deliver you from sin. And so we all know that here, that left on our own and with no intervention or protection from God, we lack the power to avoid sin in our flesh. Now, praise be to God, the spirit of God dwells within us. And I have something very positive to share with you here in just a moment on that. And so Jesus is simply stating for us today that to access this power, to access this power that is available and given to those who are new creations, prayer is the key. You wanna, you wanna access the power that is, dwells within you to avoid sin? Jesus is saying prayer is the key to access that. Prayer is that key to access that, not that prayer is some sort of like genie in a bottle type thing, but prayer to the Father, humbly and faith-filled prayer is the key to access that power that already dwells within us through the Spirit of God to run from sin and from temptation. And so in Mark 9, in Mark 9, Jesus cast out this evil spirit from a young boy and the disciples who had recently been commissioned two by two to go about healing and casting out demons, they asked Jesus, why were we unable, why, why we were unable to cast this demon out? And what does Jesus say in verse 29? This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Church family, there is a, there is a, a hold and a, and a power that sin can have over us 
that without prayer and utter reliance upon God being the one to deliver us as Jesus' model, to deliver us from evil and to not be led into temptation, that we, left on our own, cannot accomplish. Our own flesh cannot accomplish. And so Jesus seems to be saying, you want, you want to access the power of the Almighty God in overcoming sin? Jesus says here that it won't be your resolve, your commitment, or your ability. Hey, the culture loves this. Like you can, go to, you can probably go to Hobby Lobby and find this on a cute little billboard, cute little thing to hang by your fireplace. Do hard things, right? This isn't about your resolve, your commitment, to do hard things, to charge hell with a water pistol because, you know, I'm just so sold out to Jesus. It's not any of that. It's not any of that, Jesus says. Jesus says that the key to accessing the power is to fall on your knees before the Lord in humility and in faith and ask him to deliver you from it. Where you just say, God, I can't. I can't do this. And so there's a reason that it feels like so many of us oftentimes, me included, just are getting our tails kicked in the area of sin, right? Have you ever felt that way? Man, like this thing is just kicking my tail in the area of sin and temptation. And if you're a child of God, then that may very well be, I'm not saying it is because there's there's a side of of sin that God may not deliver you from a particular area of trial immediately, right? God may not. I mean, you may depend upon God and he may not immediately deliver you from it, but may actually teach you something through it. That's a whole other sermon for another day. We're trying to focus in on this prayer. But if you're a child of God, then, then it very well may be that if you feel like you're getting your tail kicked in the area of sin, where this thing just keeps on coming up, where anger keeps on coming up, where lust keeps on coming up, where, where greed, where, where lying just keeps on coming up, it very well may be because you are trying to overcome those things by your own power and not by his. And Jesus is saying, if you want to overcome those things, then come to the Father in prayer. Hey, I know that so many of you feel frustrated oftentimes, again, by how much it feels like you're getting your tail kicked. And maybe you think, like, I have prayed. We, we, like I said, we, we, can't have, we don't have time to get into all of that, but we're going to lean fully into what Jesus teaches right here, and we're gonna believe it fully, and we're gonna submit ourselves to it. And so, again, it may be because you're trying to overcome these things in your own power and not his. It may even be because you have sought good things in place of what Jesus shows here is the most powerful thing. And so let me just say a couple things like accountability, personal discipline, safeguards, technology, like, you know, like safeguards and technology are all really good things. I, I highly recommend them. But can I ask that if you have those things in place, have you fallen on your knees in prayer before God and asked him to deliver you from these things? Again, hey, these things are so, they're bibl- accountability is biblical. Accountability is something that we would recommend and we would say you need to be involved in. But so many times, can I just say for, in my own life, accountability has just kind of been my, my way of saying, hey, this is the way I'm gonna deal with this thing over here. When Jesus says, hey, the way that you need to deal with this thing over here is falling on your face before the Father. And I can tell you that more oftentimes than not, I've, I've been more faithful in, faithful in accountability than faithful in prayer before the Lord, asking him to deliver. And so again, these things have merit, but the question that we ask ourselves is, have we fallen before the Lord to deliver us? 
And so praying this gives us, not only gives us access to the power of God that is within us, look at 1 John, 1 John 4, 4, if you would. 1 John 4, 4. Remember, like I said last week, at some point we're gonna just take a big old deep dive into 1 John. But 1 John 4, 4 says this, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And so Jesus says here, in no contradictory terms, Jesus says here that if we want to access that power that is within us, then the key lies within praying to God and asking him to deliver us from it. And so it not only gives us access to this power of God that is within us, but hear this, it also moves the heart of God to compassion and action towards us as his children. There is, there is nothing more. Let me just tell you something in, in, in regards to your fellowship with God. There, there may be nothing more, let me say it that way, that God desires than for you to talk with him in prayer, to have fellowship with you through prayer. And so when we pray, God's heart as our father is moved. He's not cold towards us. Remember, the whole basis of our coming to God here in this prayer is not as our judge, but as our father. That's why Jesus starts the way that he starts. Because if he did not start with our father in heaven, then by the time that we get down to forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors and lead us on temptation, then all we think of is God as this angry judge who's just waiting on the front porch, stomping his foot, ready to just come down on us, right? But no, Jesus starts off with, hey, you gotta get your mind right in your prayer to understand that God, child of God, God is not your judge, he is your father. And there is nothing that moves a father's heart more than his children coming to him, asking them for help in time of need. And, you know, even writing that is, (laughs) even in my own house this week, we've, I'm not a good father in this area. There's times where my children do need something and it's just so overwhelming to me that I lash out in anger. God is not that way. God is not that way. There are things, when I am, when I am the father that I am intended to be, there are things that I would never do that if my children cried out and help, I would go do for them. Hey, there's, there's, there's two things that I hate in this world like with, a, with a fiery passion. Snakes and alligators. Just, I, I'll tell you the story later. Snakes make sense. You're like, what's, the, what's your deal with alligators, bro? Like, you need some counseling, right? No, snakes and alligators. But I've, I've heard stories, and I've resolved in my mind that if my children were ever in danger, one of those things ever posed a danger to my children, I would, I would do everything that I could to kill that snake or to beat up that alligator, even if it cost me my own life. There is, there is nothing more that will move the heart of a compassionate father than for his children to cry out to him in their time of need. And the, the scriptures tell us that. You don't believe me? Well, I'll show you a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter seven, verse 11. It's just one page over. Matthew chapter seven, verse 11. If you then, who are evil... 
know how to give good gifts to your children? I mean, Jesus, like, he's not talking to me here, but he's talking to me here, right? Hey, you're evil. If, if, you, if you then who are evil will protect your child from alligators and snakes. In fact, he actually talks about a serpent here. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? That's the nature of the relationship between God and you, child of God. And let me just say this again. Some of you may be getting tired of me saying it. If you are not a child of God, you only know God now and you will only know God in the future as a judge. Judgment day before God will not be good for you. But if you are a child of God, God is not your judge. He is your father. Man, what a, what a beautiful thing. And so remember, the whole basis of our coming to God here is not as judge, but father. And he desires fellowship with us. So if it is true that prayer is what allows us access to the power of God that is within us and that God's heart is moved by us as his children when we cry out to him, then there's an implication here. Listen to what I'm saying here. There's an implication here that maybe, I'm intentionally using maybe and not trying to be definitive here because I know that this is complex and challenging. But if it's true that prayer allows us to access the power that God has placed within us and that his heart is moved by us as his children, when we cry out to him, then there's an implication here that may be that the temptations that you are dealing with right now um, can be overcome by you asking God to deliver you from it. And the temptations that you're dealing with right now may be there because you have not asked God to deliver you from them. That's the implication of what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter six. There's an implication here that if we ask him, he will hear us, he will respond, he will deliver us. And it's, and it's possibly true. Can I just say that, and, and I'm not saying any of this based on it being only my experience. I'm saying it what I believe that the word is saying here. But personally, I have experienced this that there are seasons of life where temptations and sin are kicking my tail. And one of the reasons why I may not be seeing victory in it is because I am not asking God as my father to deliver me from it. Fervently, passionately begging God, please deliver me from this. There may be things that continually defeat us that aren't a result of us being a bad Christian, or not being a Christian at all, but because we are prayerless as Christians. Do you hear that? There may be things that continually defeat us that are not a result of you not being a child of God, but are a result of us being prayerless. And Jesus seems to indicate that here. He says, pray. You have a father who hears you and knows what you need. And so may we not be prayerless. I know, again, that most of my prayers come, like I've already said this, most of my prayers come on the back end of temptations and sin. I love to call on God's forgiveness and to experience his grace, but how willing am I to ask God for help? Because I promise you, almost every time that I sin and I ask for forgiveness from God, like I'm a, I'm a new man. That time. And, I, and I, I mean, you are. I mean, you are, you are you've, you've been forgiven. 
you have been shown by God in his word and by him personally that when we confess, if we confess as children of God, if we confess, he is faithful and just to cleanse, to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, hey, man, I experienced that grace of God and I am refreshed. And can I tell you what my mistake often is in that moment? Man, I'm never gonna do that again. I love Jesus so much. I'll never do that again. I'm so glad for his grace. No, when really what I should do is I should ask God for his forgiveness and then say to him, Lord, deliver me from this. Deliver, because man, I'm like, at the end of that grace and forgiveness that I receive, I'm pulling myself up by my bootstraps and I'm like rededicating my life to Jesus 172 times and I'm just ready to move forward. And yet that is, that's, that's not what the thing is. And so our text today is simply about praying to God for deliverance from sin and help in the midst of temptation. What this text is not about that many of us have questions on is the reality of sin and maybe the ongoing presence of it in our lives. And so maybe you're saying like, hey, listen, I have prayed over this. Like I have asked God to deliver me from something and he's not. Hey, that's a, that's a real question, right? Um, that's, a, that's a real thing that many have experienced personally and so you've got lots of questions. We've got lots of, lots of what about this or what if this about sin in your life, but we just don't have the time that we need today to explore all that. Um, I'll make a shameless plug right here because it fits in really well. Your community groups might be a good place to discuss some things like that. Your community groups may be a, may be a, a safe and good place to ask those questions and have some of those conversations. Um, let me just speak positively of something that, that, that may have sounded like I was speaking negatively about a minute ago. Getting serious about accountability might be where some of this can be discussed. Accountability, again, is a good and needed thing. And so you've got questions about what about this sin that remains in my life? Hey, Jesus shows us here first to pray, but then let me encourage you, get serious about accountability and don't cut corners on accountability. And so those are, those are places. And so at some point, we will take time to dig deeper into that subject from here. But for today, we're just looking in this prayer. But let me, let me give you this one final word of encouragement and instruction on this from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Would you turn there with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. This is about all the time that we have today to really kind of dig deeply into this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Hey, that's a really comforting passage of scripture for a lot of reasons. The first thing that you see there is that you're not alone in your temptations and your sins. That's what, that's what Paul says, first thing. Um, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So that means you're not alone. <laughs> that means that um, I, I, I don't have a, a, a whole lot of place in life to, to, to cast a, a condemning judgment upon you for the way that you sin because I sin in my own ways. And so no temptation has 
overtaking you that is not common to man. And then we have confidence of the faithfulness of God here, that God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Family, we can take that truth to the bank. We can take that truth to the bank. You can deposit that check and cash it and spend it. That's how sure and certain that is. And what we have learned and heard today together through this model prayer of Jesus is that the way that we may experience the truth of that passage and access the power that is available to us in the face of temptation is through prayer. So God's told us, hey, you've got the spirit of God within you. It's there. you You can overcome what you've done, not by your own flesh, but because of what the spirit does within you. Remember that. It's the spirit within you. That's, you know, you're, you're kind of like, well, what is this thing that Paul's talking about that not be tempted beyond your ability and you, you have a way of escape? What's that way of escape? Can I just give you maybe oversimpl- an oversimplification? It's the Holy Spirit that, that lives within you. And Jesus says, oftentimes the way to, in Matthew 6, the way to access the power of the Holy Spirit within your life is through prayer. That's, it's kind of like this cool little secret code, secret saw. It's not secret. But it's like this code that unlocks the power of the Spirit within you is, is, is prayer and falling on your knees before God. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you um, that you instruct us in it. Um, thank you that your son, Jesus, has modeled for us what it looks like um, to share fellowship with our Father through prayer. Um, and I pray, Lord, um, that we would not be unresponsive to it. I pray that we would not this morning even and in our lives, in our daily routines and rhythms would not be unresponsive to the gracious teaching of Christ here. Thank you for what you have given to us through your spirit. Um, We thank you for what you've given to us through your son in his righteousness, in his sacrifice for us. Um, and so, Lord, this morning, we thank you that, um, that through faith and, and what he has done for us on the cross and in the resurrection, that we can experience forgiveness of sins and that we can walk in fellowship with you and that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit through that. And so, Lord, we respond now to Um, the, the gracious gift of the cross and the gracious reality of the resurrection. We respond to that now through partaking together as a people um, the Lord's Supper so that we may even see with our eyes what the gospel is, that Christ gave his life and he shed his blood so that I may have peace with the Father. We thank you and um, we pray these things in your name, amen.